Hey, it's Tuesday. The new episode of Two Degrees Hotter is out. It's my favorite Gen Z lifestyle and self-development podcast. I'm on my way over. Let's listen to the latest episode. Okay. Do I trust that this is recording? I hope it is. <laughs> we use this like software to record and it does a countdown before it starts. Like it goes three, two, one, and then it starts recording. And this time it went three, two, one, zero, 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 zero. zero, zero. <laughs> it looks like it's recording though. So yeah. if you're hearing this, slay. <laughs> we were successful. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, welcome to Shooter's Hotter. I'm Kylie. And I'm Anya, and I noticed we're getting pretty close to 50,000 hotties. That is true. So we'll let you know when we actually hit it, but we should get like a cake. We should. Maybe a Whole Foods berry chantilly cake. Yeah. And then we we could do like one of those nights where we like scrape off the decorations and decorate it ourselves. Like make like a retro. Have you seen that on TikTok? I'm just, I feel like I won't be good at the piping of the cute handwriting i've piped some stuff before we have all the stuff because grant used to be in his cake era so so. we've got like a thing that rotates it and everything wow okay we could do it but that is not what we're talking about today what we're talking about today is finding self-worth outside of work your job your career whatever it is that is your primary source of income uh finding value outside of that because as you guys all know if you're working, it takes up a lot of your life and it's very easy to get consumed in your job, in your career, and really like placing a lot of your identity and your self-worth in that. So we want to talk a little bit about how to not necessarily take away all of your identity and self-worth from it, but reallocate some of that to non-career dependent facets of your life. Yeah. And I feel like this kind of feels like um like more of an OG TDH episode. Yeah. Like it was very, it's very like researched. Yeah, it is. Um, So should be interesting. We've done a lot of like silly, goofy episodes recently too, which I, which I love. I think mm-hmm. they're so fun to record and to listen to. Um, But we're, we're going back to our roots. Yeah. Let's get serious. So we're going to talk about like why humans kind of naturally tend to tie a lot of value to our jobs concept of career identity, mm-hmm. um, why it's important to find value outside of work, and some ways to help you explore that mindset shift of finding value outside of work, outside of your job, career, yeah. all the words, SEO. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like the AI that's scanning our episode. <laughs> they actually do because on Spotify now there's um, a transcript. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I knew that a, some sort of AI had to be scanning it because anytime we talk about COVID. Yeah, it comes up. It, which now this episode is probably going to get flagged. <laughs> and if you listen, you know why. <laughs> um, but yeah, before we do that, we will start with our segments. But if you just want to skip to the main episode topic, you can grab the timestamp in the description and we'll see you there. That'll be us in like, you know, 15 minutes or something. Yeah. So. Okay, so for my week in review, we are like between dance seasons right Mm -hmm. now. So that's kind of nice. It's funny though, because ironically, rehearsals for the other show that I'm going to be participating in started this past week. So if you missed last episode, I said it like at one point during my week in review, but I am a Montague in Romeo and Juliet, the ballet version. (laughs) Um, So I had my first rehearsal for that on Sunday. 
And it's crazy because we got five minutes done, yeah. which like if you know dance is a lot to do in one day. Yeah. Like in our dance season for our other company, we do three minutes over the course of like 14 weeks probably. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a bit of an adjustment, isn't it? Um, yeah. But it makes sense because if you're trying to do like, you know, two and a two and a half hour show in like the same amount of weeks, like you got to move much faster, you know? Yeah. And I imagine obviously like the principals are going to have their own separate rehearsals to do like their big pot does and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a bit shocking just to like have to learn so much at once. But I will say ballet is a little more repetitive. Like it's yeah. more repetition based as an art form in general, not all the time, but a lot of the time. So in general, it's like, if you're doing something to the left, you're probably going to repeat it to the right at some point. So yeah. like, it's kind of easier to pick up because it's very pattern oriented. Um, and it was nice. Like, I feel like people, people are really nice. First of all, I didn't know, I didn't mention this last time, but the whole company was founded on the premise of being like a trauma informed ballet company because the founder unfortunately had some like really negative, like sexual assault experiences in the ballet world. And so she wanted to like found a very like safe environment. So anyway, I just feel like everyone was like super nice. Like not that people in our other company aren't nice, like people are perfectly nice, but just like already coming up to me and like complimenting me and stuff, which I don't know if people would necessarily do. It's yeah. just like not as much the vibe. Yeah. Um, like someone came up to me and they were like, you, I feel like you pick up choreography like so fast. Like what's your secret kind of thing, uh-huh. which was nice. But I do feel like coming from the competition world is part of it oh, because sure. we're like wired not to think in such like patterns. Like you have to yeah. pick up on every nuance because it's not so um, predictable, I guess, yeah. like the choreography. Um, so Yeah. That was fun, but it is a bit of a drive um, from here. So I am looking for podcast recommendations if you have any, because I don't really have any. Like I listen to the daily and up first every day in the morning. And then I try to save what we said for like the drive there. Mm -hmm. And then um, emotionally online for like the drive back. But like when I run out, I don't really have much else. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, we haven't talked about the fact that JC is pregnant. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, the way that I talk to people in my life, like I know <laughs> like she's JC, a friend. Yeah, like I went to Zach and I was like, you'll never believe this. Like they've been struggling <laughs> with infertility for so long. And he's like, who is this again? Yeah, literally. How do you know that? On Instagram. <laughs> You're like my friend. <laughs> yeah. No, that is very exciting. We are big, what we said fans. Yeah. So. Slay. Love that for her. I like that they got to do it together. Like yeah. they got to have some part of their pregnancies together like yeah. that's special and for them their kids will be really close in age which is nice same with um like aspen as well and um christian johns oh i didn't know she was pregnant yeah she's too. pregnant right now too wow. she was the other friend like when in the video jc says um two of my friends just told me they're pregnant i'm pretty oh. sure it was chelsea and Kristen. oh maybe it was aspen i don't know regardless I, yeah, she I is <laughs> yeah wow so cute yeah let me know if you have any other podcasts. I used to listen to In Bloom um, with Abby Aslan. Oh, yeah. I've fallen off a little bit. I feel like sometimes I'm not in the yeah. mood to listen to such like self-improvement uh, stuff mm. on the weekend. Like sometimes yeah. I just want like a silly goofy thing. So You should try Note to Self. Mm. Um, I think I've talked about that podcast on here before. I like it a lot. And she she has some like more like more episodes like this one that we're doing mm-hmm. today. Uh, but then she also has some like silly goofy ones mm-hmm. as well. So I like her. I'll follow or subscribe or whatever the word is on. She Spotify. has a um, soothing voice too. It reminds me, it's not the same as Margot's, but it reminds mm. me a lot of Margot Lee's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she needs to. I wish hers was weekly. I know. Like, I get that she's like, um, 
concentrating on quality over quantity. Yeah. But I'm like, I would rather low lower quality and more frequent because <laughs> yeah. I like her. Um, but yeah. And then the other thing for this week is I'm like pretty overwhelmed at work. There's just like a lot of big projects. Like, you know, at the end of last year, everyone's like, we'll get to that in January. Like, let's circle back in January. Like, I'm like, now everyone's circling back and I'm like, stop. Like, <laughs> stop circling back. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like, there's like a lot of big projects, like all culminating at once that I'm like, leading like all of our like metrics for this year and we're making a big switch if you guys work for a smaller company if you know you know like a peo platform we're switching that which i'm kind of in charge of so there's just like quite a lot happening and it's like the kind of thing where i log in every day and i'm like okay this list of 20 things like where to start and i just have like decision paralysis because i'm like no matter what i won't get everything done so i'm just like what do i want to chip away at today which like isn't a motivating thing you know to feel like you want to be able to just check something off yeah and I'm like never able to do that because they're all just like so uh meaty yeah meaty projects um but that's another reason why today's episode topic is so important so true Mm -hmm. so for my week in review I believe I updated you guys that I injured my back uh, during the show so I'm doing a lot better I I wouldn't say that I'm fully at 100% I think in part, that's because I am being, like, pretty cautious. Conservative. Conservative. She's a Republican. Yeah, I'm a re- <laughs> This is my outing. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> um, but I've been, I have been conservative with what I do with my back. Um, and that's in part just because we have auditions for the next season coming up. So I'm like, I want to be, I want to be feeling as good as possible. Like if I'm gonna like tweak it a little bit or like regress a little bit, I want it to be after mm-hmm. <laughs> auditions, not before. Um, so I've been taking it pretty easy, but I have been getting back into working out and just sort of like being mindful. Like for example, I went to the gym the other day and I was doing, I like lowered my weight significantly for everything that I was doing. Cause I was like, I'm still going to get a good workout and there's no need for me to push it. And I was supposed to do four sets of hip thrusts. And I noticed by the third set, like I was really starting to feel it in my back. And I was like, you know what, Kylie? You don't need to be a hero. Mm -hmm. If you don't do four sets, no one's going to come barging down your door, take you to jail. So I just skipped it. I also went to a bar class and I was saying to Anya, I don't know why, but like it must be like a pride thing or maybe it's like a, why am I going to a workout class if I know I'm not going to do everything to like the hardest extent at the workout class. But anytime that like an instructor, especially a new one has ever asked me like, Oh, are there any injuries that I should know about? Like, even if there was an injury or like something was bothering me, I've been like, no, I know totally nothing. Um, but this time around I was like, Oh yeah. Like I actually pulled out my lower back and she asked me how I did it and how long ago it was. And she told me before class, she was like, okay, like there's going to be these three exercises that we do um, throughout the class and like I'll call out some modifications for you. Like I definitely wouldn't suggest doing them in like the form that Mm -hmm. I initially teach. And like she didn't obviously like call me out in the class and be like, okay, if you're Kylie. (laughs) You weakling. (laughs) the injury. (laughs) But she would be like, oh, any of my friends that have lower back sensitivity. And I actually noticed there was another girl in the Mm -hmm. class that also took those modifications. So I don't know if she also was dealing with lower back stuff or if she just, you know, was also listening to her body and knew that it would tweak her back in what way. But it was kind of nice to be like, oh, not only does like me telling the teacher this benefit me but it actually probably helped someone else who like maybe was in my position and was too afraid to say like oh 
I have an injury. And also I feel like I ended up getting a more personalized Yeah, exactly. Workout. That's what I was gonna say. Like you're paying it. for the class. So yeah. like you should take advantage of any like customization you yeah. can. Yeah. And they'll know better than me how to modify it. Like if I'm doing it in the right in the form that they're calling out and it starts to hurt, I don't necessarily know what the like correct modification is to mm-hmm. not do further damage. Like sometimes the thing that feels the best to you in the moment if you're like in pain, isn't necessarily what's the best like for your back to be continuing to heal, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, so that was interesting. And then another small funny story. I sliced my finger open last night. It was actually traumatizing. Uh, so this is just your friendly reminder that when you are washing knives, because I wasn't even cutting, I was washing uh, the knife. Yeah. Uh, when you're washing it, it is still sharp. Um, so you should be careful uh, and not slice your finger. I like- Do you not wear gloves? I feel like that helps too. You gotta, you gotta get some dish gloves. I know. I have some. Is the I just thing, get the I just forget. I cannot do dishes without dish gloves. I just always wash my hands after I do dishes. It's something about it. I can't. Yeah. Something about no, cold food. Like even no, food. Cold food coming out of the fridge that hasn't been warmed up yet also grosses me out. Agreed. Yeah. Something about agree. it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was. I was saying to Anya like. I, so I was really panicked because it was bleeding for so long. And you know, when like you're, you have a cut on your finger and it just bleeds profusely for whatever reason, mm-hmm. whenever you cut your finger. And so for like 30 minutes, I couldn't even tell like what type of cut this was, like how deep it was, anything like that, because I just could not get it to stop bleeding. And I like heavily debated. I was like, do I need to go to like an urgent care or like an ER or something? Like, I don't know if I need stitches or not. And then obviously I like touched grass and was like, do you really want to sit at an ER for two <laughs> hours right now over your finger? Um, your pinky. Nonetheless. pinky. And so then finally the bleeding like slowed down a bit and I was able to see what we were working with. I deemed it wasn't hospital worthy. Um, I walked my little ass to CVS and got some hydrogen peroxide, dunked, mm-hmm. dunked my Ugh, finger in some. And that then- hurts. See, it didn't even hurt me that much. Oh, really? And that's how I know that it probably wasn't that deep at all. That stuff is, like, um, wild. I love when it, like, fizzes, though. Oh, no, I think I hate that. Oh, I, I like, because I'm like, oh, you're doing something. Yeah, it is, It is like, it's like indication that it's yeah. working. Yeah, that's true. Um, and now I have it. What I will say is the literal freaking worst part about cutting your finger is that keeping a Band-Aid on it. Yeah, it's, impossible. like, so impossible. This is my third Band-Aid today yeah. that I have on it. It is so hard. And, of course, it's, like, on the pad of my finger. So, like... If I'm touching stuff, I don't want to be touching it and then like getting it in the cut. I, it's a first world problem. Just be careful when you wash your knives. Of course, too, when I was using the knife, it was my first time using this knife. It was a new one. Oh, that's why too. And yeah. Extra sharp. But I was like using it and I was like, oh, this is such a nice knife. Like it's cutting through so easily, so sharp. And Including was, my finger. Yeah, literally. Like it could slice your finger off, Kelly. Well, they so. do say a sharp knife is way safer than a dull knife in general. Really? Yeah, because like... Most of the time that people get injured cutting stuff, it's because their knife isn't sharp enough and something like slides or like, oh. yeah. So like it is, it is safer to have well sharpened knives, yeah. but well, just remember that they are. You yeah. Know? Well, that makes sense why I didn't hurt myself while actually slicing it. Yeah. <laughs> Washing it. Yeah. Which I did feel like a dunce. I was, as I'm like literally bleeding out in our kitchen, I'm like, how did I get here? And it was in, I was doing like a pre, like a clean as I go. Yeah. Like something was cooking on the stove and oh. while I was waiting for it. So now I'm literally panicked trying to like stop my finger from bleeding, make sure that my food doesn't burn and catch on fire. And yeah, it was, it was quite funny really. But I forget who I was talking to. I was talking to someone that works in like a hospital setting 
and like the topic of like most frequent ER visits came up. Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but um, whoever it was, they said that like pitting avocados is a huge reason that people end up in the ER a lot. Cause like they, they do the thing where they try to take the knife and just like stick it in the seed so that it like pops right out and it just like goes right through. I was like, oh that God, is horrific. I do that. I use a knife to get Careful. This. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Wait. Use like a spoon. That just gave me like, <laughs> <laughs> my like chest got tight. <laughs> well, I saved your life. for you now. All right. Let's get into our favorites. For my first favorite, I did a little embellishment on my car. Very simple. Just thought I would share because I am liking it. Um, so I never had like a rear view window uh, decor. Yeah. <laughs> I ordered something, but I drive a Beetle and the rear view window is actually really small. So I felt like the thing that I got just like completely like overpowered my entire windshield and just like wasn't right. Um, but I decided to just tie a little bow on it. Like I had some cute pink ribbon from Christmas. And I just tied a little bow and it's so cute. It's so like coquette and like subtle and like not in the way. Like I think what bothers me about like if you have something like I ordered like a little crochet thing, which was really cute, but like it would swing back and forth while I was driving and it was just like kind of distracting and whatever. So I feel like the bow is just like a cute way to kind of like make your car a little more girly, but it's not a distraction, you know? So I recommend if you are also in your coquette era and you want to just like put a bow on everything put a bow on your rear view mirror. It's very cute. And I haven't seen other people do it actually. Yeah, I haven't either. I'm original. You guys are welcome. Yeah. Me if you even care. Me if you even care, Birdie, my car. Um, and then the other favorite is a new flavor of Olipop that I tried the other night. Since me and Kylie are in our no spend era, I've been taking uh, quick trips to Whole Foods a lot mm-hmm. instead of doing like a big online grocery order or like ordering out. And so in one of my quick evening trips to Whole Foods, I saw they had a banana cream Olipop. Which, like, I guess I'm kind of a banana girl. This is frightening. It's, it's very polarizing. I yeah, can understand. I'm kind of frightened. I don't, respectfully, I don't believe you. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty delicious. But, like, I like banana. Like, Trader Joe's sells those, like, frozen bananas dipped in chocolate. I like those. I like those. And I like, like, a banana sundae. Like, you like, like, a banana Laffy Taffy? Like, it wouldn't be my first choice. But, like, if presented with one, I'd probably eat it. Okay. How I'm trying to like gauge because I don't like banana laffy taffy and to me this screams no, banana laffy taffy. I would say it was like 70% regular cream soda, which I love. Mm-hmm. Like I love cream soda. Same. With like a little fun banana twist okay. is how I felt about it. I would try one singular can. Yeah. That's what I did. I just got one can. I really liked it. I thought it was fun. So okay. if you like cream soda, I recommend. The just the lemon lime olipop is so freaking good. Yeah. Anytime I see it, I'm like, what's the point of straying? I just good. like a little a little indulgent treat. Like I feel like yeah. cream soda is like so it reminds me of like childhood. Yeah. You know? It's so good. It like cream soda and root beer. Yeah. Or like kid sodas for yeah. some reason. My favorite, this is I'm kind of cheating a little bit because I actually haven't finished this book. But when I tell you that I am eating it up. I it's been so long since I read a book and have just been so like enamored by it. Um it's Carrie Soto is back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. If you don't know, I literally kiss the ground that Taylor Jenkins Reid walks on. I would read her grocery list. I think she's phenomenal. Every book that she writes, she puts the ball on the tee and she knocks it out of the park. I can't believe it. 
Um, so this one is about tennis. Mm, it's yes, about a okay, tennis heard player. Of this. Yeah. Named Carrie Soto. And she comes out of retirement because a girl it's like gonna break her record. Is gonna yeah. break her record and she wants to stop the girl from breaking her record. And num- like I said, number one, I just love I think Taylor Jenkins Reid is a phenomenal storyteller. I also like so Carrie Soto, who's our main character, and it's the story's told through her perspective. She isn't super likable. Yeah, that's what I've I heard. Love like it's interesting in to be in like a protagonist's head when like they don't have great opinions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like it's it, she she did a great job walking the fine line of like I don't really like Carrie Soto. I don't think I would be friends with Carrie Soto if I met her in real life. But as I'm reading, I'm still rooting for her. Yeah, and, like, that sort of because you're like in her head to like understand yeah, why. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I'm learning a ton about tennis. My only, and this is on me, uh, my only complaint is that, so Carrie Soto is Latina, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. I, I do, can't remember off the top of my head um, where her parents are from, but there's a lot of um, like Spanish phrases mm-hmm. intertwined. Like as she's talking to her dad. Like Spanglish and stuff. Not even that. They'll just talk to each other in Spanish. Like they'll say something in English and then the next thing in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But the whenever they speak to each other in Spanish, it isn't translated. Mm-hmm. So I know like a little bit of Spanish and I can like glean from the context of what's going on, what they are likely saying. But I am a little, like I find myself going to like Google Translate and being like, what did he say to her? Yeah, that's kind of weird to do in a book, I feel like. Yeah, I like, I appreciate it because it's- um, It's like authentic. It's, it's authentic and it's probably more reflective of what a- um, like a bilingual family, how they like actually communicate. That's what we do with one another. <laughs> um, and also because I don't know Spanish, I am kind of like Javier. What did you just say? <laughs> um, um, a good opportunity to learn because yeah, we're going to be so in Spain true. in like less than two months. So true. Yeah, but yeah, I highly recommend. Okay, I'll have to check it out. I'm not reading anything right now, so I should download. Especially because I found with the ballet rehearsals, there's more sitting around. So I feel like it would be appropriate for me to, like, have my Kindle, like, yeah. on the side. Oh, true. You know? Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break, and then we'll be back for our main episode topic. As you all know, we're both trying to work towards our wellness goals this year, and that's why we're excited to introduce Liquid IV as the sponsor of this episode. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you can get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights. We actually used Liquid IV when we were traveling in Europe last year, and it definitely helped us recover after some long nights out. Plus, it was super convenient packaging to keep in our suitcases and in our purses throughout the day. My personal favorite flavor is watermelon, but I'm excited to try the new strawberry lemonade flavor too. Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code TDH at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code TDH at liquidiv.com. All right, we're back. And like we said in the intro, we're going to talk about self-worth and kind of finding self-worth, finding value outside of work, outside of your job. Mm-hmm. So let's let's get into it. Let's kick in it this off. essay, we will. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, so kind of like what I talked about uh, at the beginning of the episode, 
it is unfortunately natural to tie a lot of our value to our jobs. We spend a lot of our time doing our jobs and we are so bred as a society to attribute a lot of our self-worth to our work, how fast we climb the corporate ladder, so to speak, the feedback we receive, and most of all, how other people perceive us and our jobs and the sort of like status that Mm -hmm. that gives us in society. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we graduate college, normally in college, you're asked like, what's your major? Mm -hmm. And then like naturally the transition when you like are post-grad and and young adult is what do you do? It's like in the top, I would be willing to bet in like the first three questions that you get asked when you meet someone like out and about. Um, And I just feel like that should not come up as early in conversations as it does. And I try not to ask people um, super early in the conversation just because I'm like, it's honestly not the most interesting thing. I was going to say, I (laughs) I don't really want to talk about work at a party. I don't really care. No. Yeah. And like, it always just sends people down this whole rabbit hole of like, oh, I'm an accountant. Oh, what kind of accounting do you do? And I'm sitting there like, do I actually care? Not really. Like, I'd so much rather hear about like, where are you from? How much you love crocheting. Yeah. Like, Like, I try to ask people like, where are you from? Or like, where do you live even to like, Mm -hmm find some more common ground yeah um but yeah like what do you do I'm just like that's so predictable yeah and like chronically uninteresting yeah. do better you know so that's my uh what is like the phrase of like something to action my call to action oh um for <laughs> you all CTA I'm like oh, don't get me CTA CTA <laughs> Um, and so in the research for this episode, there is this concept of a career identity. So we're just going to read it so that it kind of, you know, is good framing for the rest of the episode. A career identity is a structure of meanings in which the individual links his, his, or her, or their (laughs) motivation, interests, and competencies with acceptable career goals. Because being busy and working hard have become highly rewarded qualities, social learning has led us to embrace our career identity and in many cases make it our sole identity. Ooh. Mic drop, period. Um, so while it is great to be motivated and passionate about what you do, um, you and your work are separate entities at the end of the day. They are not, they are dependent on each other and they're also not dependent on each other. And I think these lines can get blurred, um, especially with people working longer hours or feeling obligated to check their emails 24 seven. And it's funny. I almost like my gut reaction was to write that like remote and hybrid work, like exacerbated it, like made this worse. And I think that is true. And I think it also is true that it helps. Like there's yeah. a weird push and pull of, you know, remote and hybrid work obviously allows you to be more flexible during the day. So if you want to put a load of laundry in or spend 20 minutes working on something else, you sort of have the freedom to do that. And also, like, I know a lot of people struggle with, like, losing their dedicated lunch hour. Like, mm-hmm. that ends up being booked with meetings or having to log on earlier or late or stay on later because now the, you know, commute that you would have is taken away so a lot of companies capitalize on that time as time that they can use to keep you working. Yeah. Um, so it, it's very push and pull and it, it requires a lot of boundaries on the workers part. Yeah. And even like, you know, granted I was an intern, so I wouldn't have been expected to contribute a ton outside of working hours anyway. But like when we were going in every day, there is like some aspect of like physical separation yeah. from the office. Like you know, you, you're at the office, you're in email mode, you come home, you're not. And yeah. like now, yeah. So I agree that it, it's interesting how it's kind of go, like- Good and bad. Yeah. It's exacerbated in like both directions. Um, but just to go back to like, it's great to be 
motivated by and passionate about what you do. I feel like we could do an entire like separate episode on that topic because I think there is a lot of pressure to like have a career that you love. And I think we talked about it a little bit in our like career hot takes episode that like work can just be work if that's okay with you. And like, I think different personality types lend themselves to different things. Like I think some people like truly could not show up every day for their job if they weren't like passionate about it. And if that's you, like, that's great that you, you know, found something like that. But for other people, like work can just be a paycheck and you can have things you like outside of work. And like, we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, so yeah, like it's great to be motivated and I don't want this episode to come across of like if you are like a corporate girly or like you are motivated by promotions and money and that kind of stuff that it's like a bad thing, mm-hmm. but just like urging you to consider all the other ways that you bring value to the world. Yeah. And I saw this TikTok. I wish I like bookmarked it, but it had some like um, indigenous like saying about like how basically just like being here is enough or yeah. like should be enough. Um, so not to get philosophical, but yeah. Um, but a little history lesson. It's interesting. Cause like even back in like villager times, uh, back in the day, a couple hundred years ago, it was common to invest a lot of your identity in your job even then. Um, but there were more like boundaries and kind of like more historical contexts in place. Like if you think about it, normally jobs were kind of like passed down through generations. Mm-hmm. So if someone's father was a farmer, like they usually became one too. Or if someone's father was like a blacksmith, it was like a family business, you know. Um, but now that people have like more professional choice and a ton, a ton of different options to choose from, at least if you're like privileged enough to have those options, um, people like welcome kind of the assumptions and like the social status that come with those roles in a way that like wasn't the case in the past necessarily. So mm-hmm. if you're a doctor, you might love that others believe that you're like highly educated and that you earn a high income. And that's kind of where like the career identity side of things comes in. Like I think back in the day, like your job was something you did, but it wasn't you. And I think now like that line is a little more blurred because you can pick and to more of an extent. Um, Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes sense to me. Um, And then we have some quotes, uh, and some tidbits from Miss Dr. Sharon Cherbin. Yeah, Cherbin. that's how I'd say it. Um, so I'll just read them for you and you can noodle on them yourself. Uh, Gone are the days of being the only blacksmith in the village. Back then, our services were vital to our small community. We could be relatively well assured that we were performing a duty that would keep our income and position fairly stable over time. Now we work jobs that aren't nearly as straightforward. We aren't always providing direct to direct services to a community we're part of. Our professional value to the people around us can be more difficult to measure. This leaves our value as professionals more open to interpretation. Our value as workers is ever-changing based on external factors we have little control over. So when we tie our self-worth to our job, we're leaving ourselves at the mercy of all of those external factors that Dr. Churban just said. And we can't control those Mm -hmm. external factors at the end of the day. Yeah, I thought this was like really interesting, like the idea that you're not always providing direct services to the community that you're a part of. Obviously, this depends on your job. Like I think people in like the medical field, for example, are doing that for the most part. But like, and I'm kind of doing that, but like not necessarily, you know, like I'm I'm not. not. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily like serving people that you're going to see or like, yeah, I just think it's interesting how like the blacksmith example is like you you worked your job and you understood that it was important because you saw people in your community like benefit from it. And yeah. like, that's not always the case anymore. Yeah. So we, we turned that into community service. Yeah, basically. 
So obviously our jobs take up a lot of our time and it's only natural that they take up a lot of our thoughts too, but it does not have to be that way. And that's what we're going to be getting at in this episode. Yeah. And I know for me, I feel like a lot of my mid twenties has been like finding a lot of peace and knowing that my job is a part of who I am. It's a huge factor in my life. Um, but most of the things that bring me the most excitement and fulfillment are the things that happen outside of Mm -hmm. work. Like I think of the podcast, I think of dance, like my friends and family, like all of those are what like fill my cup at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, And I think there is room for all of it to coexist. Like you can still be a good worker and arguably a passionate worker if that's what you want to be while also like finding passion or continuing passion in ways that aren't tied to your income which is Mm -hmm. another this is a little bit of a tangent but I feel like we get asked a lot with dance especially the company we're in is like oh do you get paid Mm -hmm. to be in this and then like there's sort of a negative connotation around the fact that we pay to do it yeah like we're we're amateurs so yeah we are we are not paid yeah (laughs) and it's like sometimes I just get a little frustrated because I'm like that doesn't omit the commitment and dedication and work that I put in to doing this just because I didn't receive a paycheck from it at the end of the day and truthfully like is it a dream to be paid to dance sure would that probably take some of the passion and fun out of it right for sure yeah um so that's just something to something to keep in mind because I know that's another thing of like monetizing your hobbies and it's yeah. like it's okay for hobbies to just be hobbies like they don't need they don't need to be a side hustle they don't need to contribute to your income like it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And like whether – I think for some people monetizing their hobbies works great, like especially like, you know, YouTubers and that kind of thing. Like if you're able to profit off of something that you would do anyway, like that's awesome. But there are different types of people where, you know, attributing income to something you like to do means you're putting pressure on it and you're not yeah. sure you like it anymore. Like I was thinking about that. If you listen to like one of our New Year's episodes, I was talking about how – I was approached to do like a bar instructor training Mm -hmm. and I'm not like discounting the fact that I might still eventually choose to do that, but I am trying to be like very thoughtful of like, will that make me not like it as much? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But all that said, why is it important to find value outside of work? What are some examples that we can kind of attribute all of these things we've talked about to? So I think we've all probably experienced a time in our careers where we prepared something for work that wasn't, you know, it didn't play out in the way that we expected. Maybe it wasn't successful in the way that we expected. Maybe a presentation you were working on for a while got scrapped. Maybe priorities changed and whatever you were preparing for is no longer needed. I know for me, a big thing, I was trying to think of like an example from my job that came to mind and like we get so many different grant opportunities and some we choose to go after and some we don't just depending on like priorities and that kind of thing. And so I feel like a good example is like I'll spend, you know, a couple of days like outlining and drafting what a grant proposal could look like. And then we either decide not to go for it for whatever reason, or more frequently we do go for it. And occasionally we don't get it for whatever reason, like we don't win. Um, and I've talked about that a couple of times. Like that's just the name of the nonprofit world. Like, you normally, I think like a one in 10 hit rate is pretty typical for like nonprofit organizations. Wow. So like, it's a very easy thing to like get you down when you're like yeah. putting in all of this work over and over and you're like only have a 10% success rate. Um, and that could be tough to cope with if you were really like attributing a hundred percent of your self-worth to like the outcome of these things you can't yeah. control, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I feel like literally my whole job, 
<laughs> I'm like, I feel like I'm failing my whole job. <laughs> it's great. Um, but like, I think <laughs> I'm like, cue the like small violin. Um, marketing is a really thankless job. <laughs> mm. Like, and I, I know I'm like, I swear to God, I'll touch grass after this, but in like a corporate setting, when mm-hmm. you are doing in-house marketing mm-hmm. for a company, like you are kind of you can be perceived as lower on the totem pole. And a lot of the times you're the one that's like barging down the subject matter experts doors being like, please, for the love of God, I have a marketing campaign to do and I, I need your expertise. And they're mm-hmm. just like, no, I'm too busy with the client. Yeah. For like, um, you're, you're talking like thought leadership type yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm in content marketing. So I am, you know, I, I know a lot about this industry now that I've been working in it for a couple of years, but I'm still pretty dependent on the thought leadership and expertise of the people that are actually delivering our services. Um, so I can't even tell you how many blog drafts, um, longer form content drafts, podcast scripts, plans, like how many of them have been created and either I get emailed about them six months later when I'm like, mm-hmm. the ship has sailed, like we're yeah. here. Um, or they get completely changed because something else had to take priority or they get scrapped altogether. Like it just, it happens quite literally every single day. Um, So yeah, again, it's like if I measured my success both as a worker and as a human on how many of my plans actually make it to the other side, uh, it would be quite dreary. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Um, But yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all of the obviously like these quote unquote failures we're talking about are almost always due to factors outside of your direct control. Yeah. So again, from Dr. Sharon, um, she said, Someone with healthy, non-work contingent self-esteem might feel frustrated or disappointed that things didn't go the way they planned, but they'd recognize the decision was out of their hands and it doesn't make them feel bad about themselves or their skills. That's the goal. That's where we want to be. Yeah. On the other hand, someone with self-worth tied to their job or work contingent self-esteem might take the turn of events personally. They might start to believe the decision was within their control, that they need to work harder and longer hours to prevent this kind of thing from happening again. If they begin to work harder, they might see some positive results, but then comes the burnout. Yeah. Um, and further on in this article, it was talking about how they might start seeing positive results that like aren't even attributed to this specific situation. Like higher ups might be like, oh, look at Kylie. She's working so hard. Like, let's give her more work. And like, yeah. if there's anything we want to do, it's behave our salaries, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> so true. Amen. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it's also important to keep in mind that your work circumstances can both fortunately and unfortunately always change um in some of the more like unfortunate ways you could get laid off you could end up with life changes that make you unable to work you could have to move and completely Mm -hmm. change jobs um there's no certainty in in the job that you have right now uh so we all need to find self-worth that isn't tied to our career identity in order to maintain true happiness in the long term so that way if one of these unfortunate events happens um you're allowed to be upset about them, but they don't just completely throw off your entire sense of self. Yeah. And like, I've been thinking a lot about like retirement lately, just because I'm helping my company set up like a 401k situation, whatever, it doesn't matter. But I've been thinking a lot about retirement and like how big of a bummer would it be (laughs) to retire and realize like you don't have anything you like to do yeah, or like anything that you're excited about outside of work. And there yeah. are people that are like that, oh, believe yeah. it or not. Like, <laughs> and that most of those people end up getting part-time jobs yeah. because they don't know what to do with their time. And I'm like, I will be damned yeah. if I'm working a part-time job <laughs> in retirement. Oh my God. 
Yeah. I want to be like the old ladies that we see at ballet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, there's so many, it should be such a like blessing of freedom that you finally have. And it's like sad to be that not everyone has like the tools to like actually enjoy it. So like make the tools now. That's what we're, that's what we're going to get into. So some ways to kind of explore this mindset shift of finding self-worth outside of your job. You guys saw this coming. Mm -hmm. First, you got to identify personal interests that have nothing to do with work. Yes. So some examples from yours truly (laughs) um, is Anya and I obviously have dance and we have this podcast that are really cool things that we do as passion projects completely outside of work that are both like fulfilling and enjoyable in their own right. But I think also showcase a great deal of like drive and motivation and commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like something to keep in mind as well. Like your personal interests are your personal interests and they can be super fun. But like to my point earlier, like it's still incredibly impressive and um, that's the word I'm looking for. Like it's impressive to have something that you love and stick with it Mm -hmm. regardless of whether you're making money off of it or not. So kind of keep that in mind of like, I I feel like, you know, in a world where like productivity is so idolized, like it can feel unproductive to be doing something for fun, but like Mm -hmm. having fun and resting and not doing work can still be productive. Yeah. And like, you know, there's certain adjectives that people might use to describe people at work that are positive, like consistency, dependability, like you can exhibit those positive attributes in a non-work setting. And I think that can like build a lot of confidence too. Like, for example, like with the podcast, like if we have not been like consistent, like, I don't know what, like we've never missed a week in, we're going on three years of having this podcast. four years. Yeah, like true. So this year is going to be four years of having this podcast and we've never skipped a week. And like, I think that's something to celebrate, right? Like, and you know, that might be the type of phrase that you would normally attribute to a career is like, consistency but like you can be consistent with lots of things in life yeah that fly in here <laughs> the fly is also consi- persistent yeah say. um the next one is to cultivate relationships with family and friends and to the extent possible try not to talk about work with them so again i talked about this um like a little earlier in the episode about how like the things that i love the most in my life are things outside of work including my relationships with family and friends like there's nothing better than getting together with like your best friends for a girl's night or grabbing drinks with like a friend that you haven't seen in a while or, you know, visiting your family after not have having gone home for a while. Um, and those are really important things that will attribute to your overall happiness. Um, and yeah, if you can even take work out of the equation with them, I actually feel really lucky that I feel like with a lot of my friends, like obviously in the day to day, you're going to complain about work or give updates about work. And that's totally normal. But like in our dedicated, like we're hanging out and doing something, work doesn't really come up mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and I think what helps that is that a lot of my friends don't work in the same mm. like career that yeah. I do. So it's it's not even like we could find common ground to begin with. Like if anything, we just vent to each other and like commiserate. I'm like, yeah, that must, I don't know what that's like, but it must suck. Like I wouldn't like it if I was in that um and I think that helps keep our that's not to say that you can't be friends with people that work in the same sector as you but I think you have to try a little bit harder to not talk about work mm-hmm. in that case yeah and like I think you know to some extent having someone to vent to and whatever like is a part of friendship but yeah. I think just like trying to be mindful and like you know sometimes I feel like I would like grab dinner with like some old friends or whatever and it's like I would catch us talking about work for like 20 minutes and I'm like no one wants to be doing this right now like yeah. this is the such 
fleeting limited time that we don't have to be thinking about this yeah. why are we thinking about this yeah. like let's move on to more interesting things that's why i only vent about work during the working hours <laughs> <laughs> so true honestly um our next tip is kind of taking a step back and reflecting on like if what you're doing is even what you want to be doing which i know is like a scary thing to think about but i think people that are really really what is the word that sharon used i liked her word Uh, have really work contingent self-esteem work contingent self-esteem people who have that like I feel like are oftentimes the people that like get really really siloed into like a particular field Mm -hmm. and like trapped and like find that they don't even like it anymore like I think Abby Aslan was talking a little bit about that obviously she's like broke this uh, mindset now but she was talking about how she just felt like there was so much prestige and like esteem in being like a an accountant and it was like what she wanted, what she look, looked forward to, like got her master's and everything and then was like in it and was like, wait, like I actually hate this. <laughs> and like, it's hard to have that realization if you're like putting all of your value in the fact that you're an accountant. Like you're like, well, if I hate accounting, like do I hate me? Like what yeah. What now, you know? Yeah. Um. So like having those like scary reflections of like, is your job even right for you? Do you like what you do? Or do you just like the idea of it? Yeah. All those hard things. Yeah. And I would even throw in, um, <laughs> not to add to your existential crisis, <laughs> Uh, but do you like where you work and I guess even more importantly, what, where your work does for society as a whole? That's not grammatically correct. I'm so sorry. I didn't know how else to put it. But again, it's back to like the, like we think back to the olden days of like working in your village and doing work that you constantly see the benefits of in society. And I'm not saying that you like have to work a job that is like, you know, community oriented or like working towards like the betterment of society in any way. But if that is something that's important to you. Yeah. It's like a critical element. Yeah. Like that's something that you want to reflect on and it's easier to make that pivot or that shift now Mm -hmm. than if to Anya's point, you get siloed into a certain industry or a certain um, company even. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not to say that like, you know, you can still like your company and your coworkers and you know, the, your job description, but I'm, I'm talking more so like the bigger picture of the mission behind where you're working. Mm-hmm. The next tip is to recognize and maybe even like write down um, how many interesting and awesome things that you have going for you that aren't career related. And like a good place to start might be to like, you know, text friends and ask like, what's something, what's something you admire about me? Like I'm doing mm-hmm. a thought experiment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, like maybe you're an amazing cook. Maybe you're really good at listening. And like these are all ways that you can start to like derive value that have nothing to do with your job. Yeah. And then next is to set personal goals just like you do professional goals. So these can be related to your personal growth, learning new skills, achieving specific milestones that matter to you, see 20 plus episodes of yeah literally like, <laughs> we got this on we know how to set a personal <laughs> goal I'll tell you what yeah and then this next one is to redefine what success means to you and try to avoid negative thought patterns at work when things don't go to plan so kind of playing off the example that I was giving earlier I work at a nonprofit. we need to apply for a lot of grants you know 90% of the time we may not be awarded those grants but I can reframe my mindset to say like success doesn't have to equal getting the grant. Success can equal putting together the best possible proposal that I could have with the resources that I had. Yeah. And so like if 
I feel that way. And the outcome is that we don't get the grant. It doesn't all come crashing down. And I feel like a failure and all of these things because I've reframed success to mean I know I did my best regardless of what external circumstances I couldn't control on like the granters and, you know? Yeah. And then low key travel. I think this is twofold. Number one, it gives you something to look forward to outside of work. Use that PTO, baby. You're entitled to it. Um, and I also think that traveling, especially, especially, um, like internationally, but I think you could even make the argument like domestically is it exposes you to different like cultures and gives you that like Mm -hmm. perspective shift that you may need sometimes of like how big the world is and how small and like, for lack of a better word, unimportant, like Mm -hmm. you climbing the career ladder is to like the earth continuing to spin on. Um, So yeah, so I think both for both those reasons, it's really important to travel and see the world and take some time to get away from work. Yeah. And I feel like that's always like when you really are truly distant from work like that, like you haven't worked for like five days are the times that you can really like start admiring the things outside of work that are so valuable because you have like that physical separation. Hopefully, hopefully they're letting you take real PTO. So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I don't get email overseas. So sorry. <laughs> they don't have that here. They don't have internet there. I asked. They're like, you're literally going to Spain. <laughs> I'm like, they literally don't have internet. I, I asked them. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, that's what we got for you. We hope you found this to be helpful. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong with like liking your job and like being very passionate about it. But I don't think that passionate or I don't think passion is a finite resource in our Mm. lives like you're allowed to be passionate about as many things as you want to be passionate about um and yeah most of us are just starting our careers so it's far too soon to be placing this much self-worth on what we do for a job we have no idea what we're going to be doing in 20 years so So true that's actually like another thing we could have talked about (laughs) like any episodes i'm like and we keep going (laughs) um but like i do feel like as people grow up for lack of a better word and like maybe you know have a family if that's what they choose to do like I feel like that's when people really get the perspective shift of like work isn't that important yeah but we are at the point in our lives where we don't have a lot of those other things going for us yet so like it makes extra sense that this is like a struggle for our like demographic you know what uh acronym I heard for the first time and it was so shocking I think yes I don't know why I knew you were gonna say that Double um, income, no kids. Yeah. I'm like, that's what I'm trying to be for yeah. real. That's, that's what like nice. I consider me and Grant to be. I'm like, we're dinks. Yeah, you are. So kind of fun. I'm like, Zach, are you listening? <laughs> are we? Can, I, can you be I my dink? To be dinks with you. <laughs> would you be my dink this Valentine's Day? <laughs> Please. That oh my god, we should make those like meme Valentine's Day cards. And it says, Will you be my dink this Valentine's Day? <laughs> I don't know why I just knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. But, yeah. but double income, no kids. Yeah, slay. Anyways, with that, you guys know what to do. You can follow us on Instagram at two degrees hotter. You can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify because it really helps our show out. You can send us love notes because it's the season of love uh, through our anonymous submission box, or you can give, you know, ask for advice, give us feedback, whatever you want to do in there. It's all anonymous. Um, and yeah, with that, we'll chat with you guys next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.